You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. This week's episode is all about pegging, which is awesome. But if you're like, well, wait a minute, what about pleasure for people with vulvas? Don't worry, I gotcha. OMG Yes asked thousands of people with vaginas what feels best for them. They found the patterns and laid them all out in detail. Then they brought each technique they discovered to life in videos featuring regular people sharing from experience. And right now, you can get $5 off the newly released Season 2 at omgyes.com slash sunny. Hello, my pervy friends. Welcome to American Sex, a podcast dedicated to normalizing conversations about pleasure and alternative sexual expression by challenging those puritanical backward ass ideals we have right here in the United States. This is episode 91 of American Sex Podcast, and I am Sunny Megatron. My lovely co-host is Ken Melvoin Berg, and you're going to hear from him a little bit later during our guest conversation. Our guest this week is Ruby Ryder of PeggingParadise.com and Pegging101.com. She's a podcaster, blogger, sex educator, and published writer of erotic fiction. She's moderated all sorts of panels and given presentations at sexuality conferences across the country like CatalystCon East and West and DomCon LA. Ruby's erotica is in Violet Blue's Best Women's Erotica of 2014. And she's also appeared in an episode of Comedy Central's Not Safe with Nikki Glaser. Ruby spends her time spreading the word about the singular joys of pegging, teaching, writing pegging erotica, and doing everything she can to encourage a sex-positive society in which we can all be exactly who we are. In this conversation, Ruby drops so much valuable and usable knowledge. Oh, you're oh, you're going to love it. So if you're not sure what pegging is, the simple rudimentary definition is it's the act of a cis woman fucking a cis man in the ass with a strap on within the confines of a heterosexual relationship. However, as you're going to learn during our conversation, that narrow definition is expanding to include people of various genders and various couplings. So in this conversation, Ruby tells us how she discovered her joy of pegging at the age of 50. Yeah, it is never too late to try new things or to try the thing you've always fantasized about and you've been too scared to do. You can do it. She tells us some interesting information about the actor Ryan Reynolds and how his love for pegging isn't just in the fictional Deadpool movies. Okay, and that part of the conversation is already in my spank bank because, you know, uh, we get into the meat of the matter. <laughs> of Ryan Reynolds. I'm sorry. Okay, she addresses uh, tackling apprehension about pegging. You know, it's a big barrier to enjoying the act, the societal notion that it's a threat to masculinity, and it encourages weakness or vulnerability in a negative sense. Ruby also tells us how to talk to your partner about your interest in pegging, how to have multiple orgasms and full body orgasms from the sex act. She explains the difference between prostate orgasms versus anal orgasms versus penile orgasms, and also the similarities between the G-spot and 
the P-spot, otherwise known as the prostate. We talk about issues for givers. You know, how do you build that stamina? It's a lot of work. She gives us the best exercises that you can do for better thrusting in the bedroom. We go over the best sex toys and harnesses, the myth of the strapless strap-on, why orgasms for givers are or are not desirable during pegging, how to determine the sensitivity of your prostate and pick the right toys for the job, pegging for people that don't have prostates, and a whole lot more. If you're interested in pegging but have never tried or you're an old pro looking for some new inspiration, do not miss this episode. Don't go anywhere. Don't fast forward. Don't turn it off. Listen to the whole thing. I want to mention something, though, that we skipped over in the episode. We didn't address it, but I think it's really important. Now, keep in mind, this is my advice and not Ruby's. And I don't know what her stance on this is, but I've got the inkling that she would totally agree with my viewpoint on what I'm about to say. So a lot of receivers who are normally dominant in a BDSM sense shy away from pegging because they think it's an act that's only appropriate for submissive people. If you've listened to our BDSM episodes, you might remember us saying that dominance is a state of mind. It's not a sex act. If you're dominant, but you like to be penetrated, that is perfectly cool. And you can always make that happen without shame. You can absolutely receive in a very dominant way. Okay, think of this scenario. I'm the dominant and I am a dominant man and I like to be penetrated. And I can say, okay, submissive, for your next act of service, I want you to stand up and put on that strap on harness and dildo that I have hanging on the closet door right over there. Okay, now down on your knees, get right behind me, and fuck me in the ass. And don't you stop until I tell you to. So that's pretty dominant, huh? Yeah, it is. Anyway, before we get to Ruby, there's a couple of things that I want to tell you. One is some cool information. And another is a listener question that I'm going to be answering. So first, I am doing a giveaway and I don't want you to miss it. I've teamed up with Karmic Tantric to give away a tantric massage set valued at $200. And the cool thing about this giveaway is it is open to people worldwide. That's unusual. If you follow my giveaways, you know most of them are only open to people in the US and Canada. So I want you to hop on this, no matter where you're located, but especially if you're located outside of North America. The giveaway is really easy to enter. I'm going to have a link to it in the show notes, and good luck. Now, secondly, I received a listener question this week about G-Spot Play. It kind of fits in with this episode in a roundabout way, because as Ruby and myself and Ken discuss, the G-spot and the prostate are quite similar. So here's a question. Hello, Sunny. I've watched your YouTube videos about the reviews of different toys and brands. It helps a lot in the discussion of which to buy. It's the best and most resourceful type of review, I'd say. So straight to the point, I'm willing to buy a toy that aims for the G-spot for my girlfriend. Would you please recommend one for me? I want one that gives the best stimulus for the G-spot. I have to admit, I don't know much about the toys. From Google, I found the WeVibe and also Lalo. However, maybe there's others as well that I've never heard about. Could you please recommend me one from your opinion and experience of them? Thank you so much. 
I've said it many times, and I'm going to say it again. There is no one-size-fits-all toy that works great for everyone. There are so many variables that determine what particular toy works for what particular person. I'd also highly recommend that you shop together with your girlfriend for a G-Spot toy as opposed to picking something up yourself and then surprising her. I'm going to assume also by your question that maybe she hasn't used a G-Spot toy yet, so she might not even know what types of sensations she prefers. So this information is for both of you. Get get her and play this podcast episode. Listen. So generally, when you're looking for a G-Spot toy, you want something that's curved with a bulbous head. Think of something that's kind of shaped like a giant comma. This is because the G-Spot is on the anterior wall of the vagina, meaning It's on the side that's towards the tummy. So if someone were laying in front of you on their back that has a vagina, you would put your fingers in and you press up towards their belly button. Now, it's only about an inch or two in. Most people prefer steady, rhythmic tapping or thumping or pressure on their G-spot. You may have read about the technique where you put two fingers inside and you curve them towards you using a sort of come-hither motion. I always thought of this come-hither descriptor as not quite accurate. It's too gentle for what most people's bodies prefer. I regard it more as a really determined, you know, get the fuck over here! Some people prefer, in their get the fuck over here, the sensation of hooking the fingers behind the G-spot and sort of pulling it towards you like a hook and pull. Some people prefer an up and down sort of pounding. And others like variations on that theme, you know, like maybe a jiggling or you experiment around and see what feels good. I also recommend before you jump into buying a G-Spot toy, do some of these experiments. Play a little bit with just your fingers because if your girlfriend's never used a G-Spot toy before, this might give her a better idea of the sensation she likes or doesn't like. You have to remember that there's very little research on this. So most educators have to go by anecdotal evidence on G-spot pleasure. So it seems that the majority of people with vaginas don't need vibration to pleasure the G-spot. In fact, many seem to not like it at all. So that's something to keep in mind. When it comes to selecting a toy, like I said, you want a curved toy that mimics the come-hither motion, you know, comma-shaped. The bulbous head is what allows you to put the right kind of pressure on the G-spot, and it also allows you to do kind of that, like, hooking behind motion, if that's what you like. Again, there's no holy grail and no one G-spot toy that does it for everybody, but, you know, if I had to place a bet and there's there's one tends to hit it out of the park for most people. It is the Enjoy Pure Wand. I'm going to put a link to that toy in the show notes, plus I'll put a link to the other toys I'm about to mention. Other toys that people like for G-spot stimulation tend to have that same sort of shape as the Enjoy Pure Wand. And what makes the Pure Wand unique is its smooth, slick metal and the very heavy weight of the toy. You also mentioned in your email the Wevibe. 
Although they make a number of toys, I assume you mean the wearable couples toy. That's their most popular selection, the latest incarnation of which is called the WeVibe Sync. How the sink works is the person with the vagina wears it. One end of the toy sits on the clit and vibrates, and the other side of the toy goes inside and it rests against the G-spot. That side vibrates also. The toy is intended to be worn during intercourse. However, you can use it in all sorts of other different ways. So during intercourse, while the wearer is being penetrated, the inside end of the toy presses up against the G-spot, giving that rhythmic pounding motion that G-spots tend to really love. While some people might find this toy amazing for G-spot play, I'd say the it's not the main enjoyment that people tend to get from the WeVibe sink. So I don't really consider this a G-spot toy. Now, don't get me wrong. It is super fun. I really, really like the WeVibe sink. But something like the WeVibe Rave is closer to the classic shape of a G-Spot toy. And if you're looking to pleasure that area specifically and really target it, that might be a better choice when it comes to selections from the WeVibe company. The Lalo Mona and the Mona Wave are also popular G-Spot toys that bear that classic shape. But the Lilo Gigi is also another popular G-Spot toy, and it seems that more folks have success from the Gigi than the Mona. Again, it's anecdotal. Everybody's different. You know, what proves typical for most people might not be how your girlfriend's body responds. That's why experimentation with different toys and different techniques is really important. I also want to point out a cool thing about the Gigi. It's also a favorite among people with prostates. The reason is the flat end can be pressed against the perineum. That's the spot between the balls and the butt, like the taint, taint, taint your balls, taint your asshole somewhere in between. And that can give you an external prostate massage. The Enjoy Pure Wand also can be used by people with prostates to stimulate it internally. So if you're looking to really get your money's worth and, you know, you want some two-for-one toys that you can use for different things, you may want to give these two particular toys some extra consideration. Another thing you might want to do is go back and listen to my Sex Toys for Vulvas episode, which is episode 70. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes, too. I talk a bit more there about G-Spot toys. And this week's sponsor, OMG Yes, has some great videos on G-Spot Pleasure. So if you want to hear more about that, I'm going to be talking about it in the mid-break of this episode. And yes, I'll be mentioning the discount code again, too. I hope all that helps. Uh, And listeners, you might have other suggestions. Again, there is no one way for everybody. And I learn from you all just like you learn from me. So hop on over to our subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash American sex and give us your thoughts on G-Spot Play and G-Spot Toys. All right. So American fuckers, are you ready? I know you've been itching for that, Pegan. Here we are. We're going to dive in with Ruby Ryder. Okay, this is an episode I can really get behind. I'm going to start with the puns already. Uh, that stinks. And I'm really excited. <laughs> what What in the butt? Not if you washed properly, Ken. That's true. Uh, I'm really excited because we have been wanting to do an episode on pegging for a very long time since the, really the existence of the podcast. And, you know, sometimes we don't have all our shit together and get our people on when we want to. So we, when we're like, we're going to do a pegging episode, nobody else comes to mind than like the, the, the pinnacle, give, let's give her a name, the, the, uh, I don't know, 
The Princess of... No, that's not a good... The Princess of Peggy? Is that what you're going to go <laughs> I'm trying with? to think of some grand title. I could be working. a princess. Okay. All right. The Princess of Pegging. The Princess Ruby of Pegging. Ruby Ryder. Hi, Ruby. <laughs> Hi, Ruby. Hey, you guys. I am so happy to be here. Uh, we are We are very, we are very, very, excited. very excited. I am this ready is, to get is... to the bottom of things with you. Oh, oh God. Yes. Dad jokes galore. This is awesome. I know yes. them all. You've gotten into dangerous territory already. Ooh, good, good, good. So you know what I was just thinking? My very first anal sex toy was a carrot because it was 1983 and I didn't really have access to real sex toys then. And now I'm thinking, you know what? It would be kind of hot to get pegged by something that looked like a carrot at this point. <laughs> Fond memories? Makes... Yeah. I think it's I've a weird fetishy thing. Well, maybe I could actually use a carrot as long as we were safe and like it wasn't boiled, put a, obviously. Put a condom on it. Put a condom or... on it. Yeah. 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 I think I've seen there is a company that makes like the strap on carrots. No, well, I don't know if it's strap on, but it's uh like the eggplants, uh, emoji dildo, and different vegetables. I wonder if they've got a. That wouldn't be the same. I have a vague yeah. memory of seeing the vegetable dildos. I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No idea or, where, though. Yeah. We could, we could get like a big old thick carrot, like from the organic section of like the fruit market, the real big ones. <laughs> and then, you know, make it so it's harness compatible, give it a little, little bumps and ridges and just customize it and put a condom over it and we're good. You so totally for, could. So yeah. for the American fuckers out there who might not know what pegging is, first of all, tell us about yourself and tell us what pegging is. Okay, I'm going to start in the reverse order. Pegging is a word (laughs) that was created actually by Dan Savage. I guess one of his readers or listeners, and I'm not sure if he had the podcast back then, made the observation that there was no word to differentiate between lesbian strap-on sex and, well, so to speak, heterosexual strap-on sex. It's a very gendered term, so, you know, keep that in mind. But they had a contest on the show, people sent in suggestions, and they had a vote, and Pegging won. So that was, oh, man, 2010, maybe? Mm-hmm. It might be 2012, and so that word has been around since then. And I got kind of got in at the right point in time and snagged up a bunch of domains <laughs> because Ooh, nobody smart. was really using it yet. But, you know, to to my story, that's where the word came from. So for my story... Way back when I first became sexual, not having sex, but aware of my sexuality and masturbating and things, I was always rather anally obsessed. I have no idea why, but that was the deal. I had access to penthouse forum letters, which is no pictures, just the letters, right? Well, those letters were in categories, so you just flip to the anal section. As long as there was anal going on in some direction, I didn't really care. I was happy and I was turned on and that's what I could get off with, right? So then came the day that I read the letter from a woman who talked about she and her friend had labeled themselves football widows because their husbands were always at the bar um, watching football games. Ah. So they surprised them. And one day when they came home, the women were wearing strap-ons. And then they put the footballs on the ground and had their husbands strip and pretend they were centers and they fucked them, right? It was just a really bad, cheesy penthouse letter story, but... It was a freaking epiphany for me. Oh, my God. I had no idea you could do that, first of all. And so that idea just totally took hold, and I really, really wanted to do it. And I wanted to find a guy to do it with. But, oh, my gosh, so much time passed because, like many, many people out there who have desires and sexual thoughts and things that don't fit in the box that society dictates, I labeled that 
bad and weird and different and strange. And I did approach both husbands, I've been married twice, with the idea. They diplomatically and kindly said, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you have to realize I was approaching them exactly the way that you're not supposed to, full of embarrassment and shame and all those sorts of things. So I didn't have any kind of self-confidence to persist and say, well, wait a minute, you know, can we talk about this? Because this turns me on. So time went by, divorced the second husband, and then I was 50 at the time, and I thought, well, if not now, when? And I decided it would be then. And I'd been writing erotic stories all those years, erotic pegging stories. Not that many, but boy, they stood out in, in my, my masturbatory fantasies and all of that. So I took those out, edited them up, got a friend of mine to create peggingparadise.com, and threw them up there. And then I thought, well, okay, but no one's going to come and read them unless I actually have a blog and write things. So, so, so what's the key missing ingredient here, right? <laughs> Experience. Yeah. <laughs> so I got on Adult Friend Finder, and there's a whole set of optional sexual questions, sexually oriented questions. And one of the questions would be, describe your favorite sexual fantasy. And so I'd been writing these stories for a while. And so I wrote this short little femdom-ish thing with some uh, spanking and pegging. And to this day, that story is up on my peggingparadise.com website under the free stories. And it's called Hard Times at the Hotel. And the guys just came out of the woodwork. You know, they just totally came out of the woodwork and virtually were raising their hands saying, me, me, me. Now, I knew I wanted to do it. I had no idea there were so many men that wanted it done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the universe must indeed have been smiling on me because I hooked up with, I kid you not, a hot fireman. I got to check (gasps) off two boxes at the same time. That's awesome. And I have to admit, I lied to him and told him I'd done it before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was well pretty as sh- long as you did it well and you can pass it off. <laughs> right. I was pretty sure I could pull it off because I'm a massage therapist. I'm 30 years and counting with massage therapy. So, I, you know, I got a real good body sense. And yes, I absolutely pulled it off. He was blown away. He's like, I had no idea. <laughs> so wow. Was that, that was, his first? It like, was. I was absolutely <gasps> his first. Yes. It's it's amazing. Like the first time that you have it done, I think I described it as seeing the inside of Buddha's anus. <laughs> It was just incredible how like lights exploded and fireworks went off. And I, I had been playing and done anal stuff with myself for a long time, but I didn't do any prostate play until Sunny, and I was like forty three, forty four. Oh maybe. wow, yeah. So it took me a while. We were sex educators, and it's funny because we just didn't talk about it. We're like, I, you know, I figured if she wanted to do it, she would talk about it. And, and I figured if he wanted to do it, he would tell me. And we just never talked about it. And and it's interesting how you were saying that you didn't think you like I can do that. That you know, and we didn't have a word for it before Dan Savage said pegging. Mm-hmm, and it seems mm-hmm. to me, and I'm not the expert, so you tell me if I'm right. But it seems to me since we had that the invention of that word and we had a, a term for it. 
People are doing it more. It's in the media. Even Deadpool gets pegged. Like it's <laughs> everywhere. Are you seeing that? That and thank ass you, Ryan. Explosion? Thank you, Ryan Reynolds, for bringing that to mainstream superhero movies. Yeah. I think that's amazing. You know, we have to thank him for for more than just that. I mean, I heard that he was very much involved in the second movie, which, of course, the topic of pegging came up again. It gets mentioned uh-huh. again, right? Well, my daughter, who is She'll be coming up on 25 pretty soon. She does all kinds of surfing and watching of different YouTube things. I'm not as much of a YouTuber. She found an interview with Ryan Reynolds, and it appeared to be for Spanish TV. So they're interviewing him. And at one point in time, and this is a long YouTube video, about half an hour, they ask, so what was the hardest part of filming this for you? And a voiceover from the side goes, the strap-on scene. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, oh, the strap-on scene? No, no, I've done that. And he just (gasps) tosses it off. He just, just like that. And so I took that video and I put it up on my website and said, you know, Ryan Reynolds, you rascal. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. We're going to have a link up to that in the uh, show notes. For yeah. This oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So I would love to think that the increase in popularity around this has something to do with me. <laughs> you know, However, okay. So Ken and I, no, Ken and I were talking and we're like, we're, you know, we're preparing for the interview. And I'm like, yeah, like I was looking, I didn't really, I knew you had a lot of podcast episodes, but I'm like, you know, it's two, was it 230 something? Yeah, 239 I just put yeah. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, wow, there's that much to talk about pegging. And there's that many people that write in with their questions. And, and we're like, wow. And then we're like, but if you think about it, how many, you know, Ruby Rider-esque people are there out there? Uh, you. One. So, <laughs> I mean, you're like the, the pegging magnet, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, What I find is that, of course, there's a lot of the same questions that get asked a lot. But at the same time, I also find that I've gone deeper down different rabbit holes that are kind of attached to this whole subject than I ever realized that I would. I've found so much there that it blows my mind. It it connects up with so many things. Like, for example, the biggest back-off that most guys have about doing pegging has to do a lot, is very much interwoven with how society dictates they are supposed to be as men. Because anal penetration requires vulnerability, requires, okay? And vulnerability is sadly conflated with weakness so often, and the guys are supposed to be in control, in charge, manly men, you know, never appearing weak. So this is one of the big barriers that they have to get across. And they hesitate quite a bit around that. And when I realized the extent of how society kind of indoctrinates men around that, I get why it's really difficult. But there are people out there that realize it feels good, whether they were like Ken, who experimented with themselves, you know, and not a partner for many years, or they, you know, whatever it is, however they know, they have an inkling. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening even right now that are like, yeah, you know, I've been wanting to try it, but A, I got to get over the psychological stuff. And right now I'm talking from, you know, and pegging, correct me if I'm wrong, but pegging is usually a cis hetero act where it's a, a hetero couple, the woman pegs the man. 
Well, thank yeah, thank you for mentioning that because yes, that is the definition, the original one from Dan Savage. Mm-hmm. But our society is really getting away from the gender binary. Right. So, I mean, when I teach, I usually say, okay, I'm going to have a lot of interchangeable pronouns here. I'm going to say he and she, man and woman, and giver and receiver. Because there are people out there who identify as male who don't have a prostate. There are people who identify as female that do have a prostate. And there are people who identify as non-binary that may or may not. Mm-hmm. So... I've, this is my own personal decision here to expand the definition so that the only thing that's really required is that the giver is wearing a strap-on and the receiver has a prostate. That's pretty much it. Okay, okay. Because otherwise to stick it with the heterosexual label feels really limiting at this point in our evolution and, you know, with relationships and, and how people identify. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. So, okay. So there are people listening who are receivers mm-hmm. and they're, you know, or want to be receivers. They want to be receivers, but maybe they're apprehensive. And there are people listening who are want to be givers. And I know there's a whole set of apprehension for givers. Me as a giver, I was very nervous. Like, do I have the angle <laughs> right? Am I going to like break my dildo in you? And because I'm like, you know, pointing the wrong <laughs> way and wait, angles, colons, I'm so confused. Mm-hmm. Um, so where do you start with the new, fresh, curious pegger or peggy? Well, one of the things that I recommend that can calm a whole lot of fears and correct misconceptions is I do offer free webinars. And ah. so the webinars, I have them regularly, usually about once every week to 10 days. And there are a variety of times, and if none of them happen at the right time, you can always request a day and a time. But education goes a long way towards really helping out those misconceptions and for learning a whole lot about it. But backing up one more step, a lot of times people don't get to the webinar until they're able to ask their partner. And, you know, the interest in pegging can come from either side of the pegging equation. Uh-huh. So most often it comes from men who have figured out there's pleasure to be had in their ass and then perhaps they run across some porn or something and they start thinking about pegging, but they're terrified to approach their partner. I mean, this is the biggest thing that stops most men from exploring this is how their partner's going to react. They're just really Mm -hmm. scared to tell them. So keeping that in mind, what I did several years back as I recorded a podcast that is called For the Ladies. Uh And it's my voice talking to the women. And I go through every single misconception and myth and give them accurate information. I'm not, I don't take an attitude of trying to convince because all I want to do is give accurate information because that's when you can make an appropriate decision that's good for you. And if you if you're stuck in the reactionary thing about well if I fuck him he's going to turn gay right that's one right. of them then you're not getting in- accurate information and I also emphasize the relationship all the way through and that's part that part of it I'm really proud of because what's really happening when someone comes to you and tells you an erotic desire that they want to explore with you is they're letting you know them on a deeper level. It's really a gift of intimacy. It's beautiful. And whatever you decide to do with it, that's fine, but still be grateful for the gift 
because they're letting you know them better. And it's just awesome. So it's gotten rave reviews. Not every giver has just jumped on it and ran down and caught a strap on. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, really, really good reviews. It's helped a whole lot of couples get past that hurdle of actually, am I interested? Am I going to try this with you? Do I even want to? Right. You know, and I'm going to add something to the cis hetero guys out there that have always wanted to try this, but for whatever reason you were hesitant, this is your opportunity to really open up to your partner, get the information and try it. I, and I promise you, you will love it. Just be vulnerable, give a little bit, and it is one of the most amazing feelings in the universe. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. That was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So then question about logistics, because uh-huh. the orgasm is always on, on everybody's mind. So when you are a person with a prostate who is receiving anal sex with a strap on, do you always have a prostate orgasm? Or sometimes is it just an anal orgasm? Like, how does that work? Because like prostate milking, now that's different. And that's very like centralized on the prostate, you know, with a hand or whatnot. So how is this similar? And how is this different? Well, the first thing that helps you to understand how the prostate works is that there are an incredible amount of similarities between G-spot and prostate, mm-hmm. really an incredible amount, even down to when fetus differentiates gender wise, the same tissue either becomes the prostate or the G-spot. Right. And it's in the same place. You you know, you're picturing those two fingers that are curved slightly upward that come hither to, to stimulate the G-spot. Same, same with the prostate. So, in terms of pleasure, multiple orgasms and full body orgasms have until now really been thought to be just the territory of women. And that's not true. You can absolutely have full body orgasms and prostate orgasms with prostate stimulation. So this is a way cool thing because the orgasms can last way, way longer. Now, does everybody have them? No, definitely not. Just like all women don't have G-spot orgasms. Right. There's no studies, sadly. So all I can do is throw a total guesstimate out there. But because so many other things line up between G-spot and prostate, about 20 to 30% of women can have orgasms by penetration alone. And I would guess about the same number of men can have prostate orgasms from just prostate stimulation. Mm -hmm. It is different from prostate milking, but setting that aside for just a moment, the whole thing is that it's a different sort of pleasure. This is how men describe it, is that there is the, the specific type of pleasure where you have cock stimulation and you have an orgasm. Mm-hmm. And then when you get in there and stimulate the prostate, it's a totally different type of pleasure, but it's all about pleasure. Whether you orgasm or not, it's all about pleasure. So most men describe an orgasm achieved by prostate stimulation and cock stimulation as being roughly 10 times as powerful as a normally just cock stimulation orgasm. And if Mm. that's not enough to get you guys to explore it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that is, that is an underestimate in my, in my opinion. Well, I was on the Reddit boards and you know, some guys diss and pegging and I'm like, did you know 10 times? And he's like, yeah, right. And I said, no, really, if you want to verify that you can go over to Reddit pegging and ask the question. And I said, no, you know what? I know you're not going to, so I'm going to. Oh, my God, that thread is beautiful. 
I copied so many things. I read those things on my podcast. Wow. Yeah, it was really cool. So yeah, wow. it's all about pleasure. And it's sort of like, let's not get all goal-oriented here and go, oh, prostate orgasm, hands-free orgasm, all this kind of stuff. It's just pleasurable. Right. Like, for example, personal story. So I had this lovely young man in my bed, and I had him over like the liberator ramp, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> With his butt in the air. And I had him like that, and I fucked him for a while. And this is the first time we had done any pegging together, even though we were both experienced in it. And then I asked him to turn over, and he thought we were done. And I said, oh, no, no, we're not. <laughs> 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 and later on, he told me, you know, when I turned over and I thought we were done, you're like, no. I thought to myself, oh, right, that's this woman's passion. So I was just better settle in for a long ride here. <laughs> so what he did, what he meant by that was he relaxed his entire body. And at the time, I'd been working out a lot. And so I was really, really strong. And I was, this is missionary position, and it requires a fair amount of core strength. Uh -huh. And I was like a kid in a candy store. It's like I took both of his ankles and put him in one hand and fucked him sideways. And, and I did it because... <laughs> I really wanted to fuck him in all the ways that guys had fucked me because my body felt so strong. Um. But afterwards, when he talked about what that was like when he relaxed, he said, so like you were fucking me and like the pleasure just kept increasing, increasing until it was at a level that I could only describe as like pre-orgasmic just before, right? And it stayed there. So that is a pretty remarkable statement that you could have that high of a level of pleasure for that long of a time. It was almost like he didn't care if he had an orgasm. Right, right. Because if you had the orgasm, then that good feeling's over. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's what a lot of men actually complain about. It's like, okay, orgasms are great, but they're so fucking quick. You know, and I do all this awesome stuff to my girlfriend, and she's writhing on the bed for five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> OMGYES.com is a website about women's sexual pleasure. There's so many myths out there when it comes to actual ways people with vulvas touch themselves or the way partners touch them. OMG Yes decided to once and for all separate myth from fact. They conducted the first ever large-scale scientific research interviewing over 20,000 vagina owners ages 18 to 95 about what actually feels good and why. What they found was, well, you know, individual preferences, of course, vary, but there's also lots of shared techniques, kind of like ingredients people combine in different ways for more pleasure and better orgasms. The website has short videos of women sharing and showing these techniques. Yeah, the videos are explicit, but they feel comfortable, like friends sharing recipes or travel tips. Season 2 has a ton of information about the G-Spot. Well, the first thing you're going to learn is it's not the G-Spot at all. It's the G-Region. And different areas and different techniques feel good for different people. In fact, OMG Yes discovered 45% of people thought G-Region stimulation was unpleasant at first. But with a little experimentation and knowledge, they discovered lots of ways to make it feel pleasurable. OMG Yes isn't a subscription site. You pay once for permanent access to a set of videos and animations, and your payment goes on to fund ongoing research into sexual pleasure. Check out the newly released Season 2 at omgyes.com slash sunny and get $5 off. Again, that's omgyes.com. 
com slash sunny. So it was interesting when you were talking about how, you know, you, you were working out and you felt strong and you were, you know, doing all this fucking. The first time that I put on a strap on and I pegged somebody, holy shit, did I have an appreciation for what a workout that is. Like, I was like, I, I need to hit the gym for maybe three months and do, do some like PX90 or some shit before I attempt this again, because I might have a heart attack right now. Um, so like I was having like cramps in both legs, like it was intense. So for for someone who is new to pegging to giving, be aware of that. But two, are that because I always said, there needs to be like a pegging workout or something, whether it's you're simulating the pegging and that's your workout or like you're working those muscles that will help you, you know, when, when you are pegging. So how does somebody prepare for pegging? Maybe not so much short term, but even longer term. Great question. Yes. And one that I have been asked before about what kind of exercises to do. And I really explored that for a little while. I thought it might be belly dancing, but belly dancing is side to side you know those heavier sort of exercise hoops? They're the hula hoops, but they're weighted and they're for adults mm-hmm. and it's yeah. like hoop yeah. exercise. That definitely helps. But really, if you go to the gym, any kind of core exercise is going to help you out a lot. Core exercises and cardio. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I would say cardio, definitely. Yeah, the, the really interesting thing, the thing that just blows my mind about pegging is how it offers people the opportunity to experience sex kind of from the other side of the bed. Because what you get to do is try out your partner's typical role. And I know not everybody falls into typical, but stereotypically, the male is the one who is the giver of the pleasure. He kind of runs the fuck, if you will. Right. And he is the one that's kind of in charge of things. And the female is the one that's the receiver, and she gets penetrated, and she is the one who... Uh, gets done too, if you will. Well, all of a sudden, you flip those roles. And it blows people's minds because, okay, as a giver, women have no clue what it takes to fuck somebody. Yeah. (laughs) It takes strength and balance and endurance and multitasking and grace. Yeah, And it takes multitasking to a degree that women will never truly understand because theirs is always hard and theirs will never come and be done too soon. Right? Yeah. So you, what you do is you get understanding and compassion for your partner's usual role in sex. And it really, what it does is it creates a deeper intimacy. Because on the guy's side of things, they find out how important foreplay is. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they find out that it's really important to use enough lube, especially with anal penetration. Oh. Yes, please. But also, (laughs) (laughs) Ken's like, yes, please. (laughs) But also they find out that penetration is kind of intense, and maybe every night's not a penetration night. Uh So when this happens, then you get just this wonderful understanding and compassion for your partner's usual role. It creates a deeper intimacy. So many people have written and talked about that deeper intimacy and closeness that they have. So I have sort of an oddball question for you. When you have that level of trust with somebody, you may also consider doing sounding. And I was just thinking about the possibility that I hadn't done any kind of prostate stimulation from the inside. Have you ever pegged somebody and sounded them at the same time? (laughs) 
You know, you, you just put something on my list, Ken. <laughs> Get out that fuck it list. Write that down. Hey, it's on my desktop, man. Because <laughs> I, I could only do that with somebody. I really like Sunny. I could do it with you, but I don't know if I could do that with anybody else. Maybe Lily, but like. I would be so nervous that, like, what if I poked you the wrong way and then the sound did, so- like, Ah, and for those listening along who are like, sound, what do you mean? The sound of music? No, it's when you <laughs> stick the hits when your body's alive with my dildo. No, it is when- a <laughs> few of my favorite things, though. <laughs> right. Um, it is when it's usually a, a small metal rod that gets inserted into the urethra. And if you go down far enough, you can stimulate the prostate that way. Either mechanically um, yeah. or electronically. And we have a, we have an episode on that, by the way. Don't just be like, cool, and go get a pencil and stick it in your dick that's not so listen to our episode there's a lot of safety precautions so anyway well i would imagine that it could be done much the same way that in the right positions there can be cock stimulation by either party so it could be sort of a joint project if you will Hmm. you know or Mm -hmm. you could get it placed just right and then turn that electricity on ken (laughs) Ooh. <laughs> Same with the prostate, by the way. Electricity and prostate is amazing. I just got myself a neon one kit. I am a newbie with all of this. Oh, awesome! Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, it's, we love the it's neon a lot wand. of fun. Mm-hmm. We love electricity. So, okay, you were saying about how when you're the giver and it takes a lot of multitasking, and there's appreciation for what the the usual giver gives. I can't imagine the multitasking I would be going through if that was my actual biological dick and I could feel all of the sensations and I was, you know, getting closer to orgasm as I was trying to coordinate all this stuff and getting a cramp. Um, so. And the psychological worry if your dick is going to work or not. Yeah. There's yeah. Precisely. layers yes. upon layers. Mm-hmm. Precisely. And that is exactly what I mean when I say you're going to just have so much more appreciation for your partner. Cause it's really quite a remarkable thing. I mean, this is why, you know, I talk a lot about harnesses and strap-ons and stuff because that's my world, you know, as Ruby Rider. And spare parts harnesses makes one called the Deuce that has two holes. And one is for, and it's meant to be worn by a man, one is for his lovely equipment. And then the other above his normal cock equipment is a hole for a dildo. Now, of course, you can use that for dual penetration, but you can also use it to keep fucking your partner after your cock has decided he's done, right? Mm. And I keep trying to convince more guys of this. I have a memory of listening to one of Dan Savage's episodes where a woman called in and said, you know, my boyfriend's awesome. It's all great, except for he fucks me for like 10 minutes and I need like 20 to come. So what do I do? And he had a bunch of things he recommended, possibilities. And then at the end of his recommendations, he said, or he could just put on a strap on. He said, you know, cishet men freak out when I say that. Gay men don't have a problem with putting on a strap on. Lesbian women don't have a problem putting a strap on on. But yeah, it's all the, you're replacing my cock. Yeah, heterosexual sex is very fragile. Like queer sex is like, cool, that works. Let's try it. Yeah, bring that in. Yeah, fun. But like heterosex is like, oh, what do you think of me? Like, oh, you're insulting my penis. Like, yeah. I had this wonderful conversation about that with this man who decided he was just going to give it a try. 
And he said, oh my God, for the first time I could concentrate 100% on my partner. Mm. And that's when I truly sort of understood how much multitasking it really is, how divided that attention is, how, how riding that line, how intense that could be. I had no right. idea. So, yeah. Ooh. So, when people are pegging, when they're the givers, people with vaginas, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking about specifically, how common is it for them to get turned on to the point of, you know, like you might be low level, like low key turned on, you know, but to get turned on to the point of like close to orgasm, really hot and heavy turned on. Is that a typical thing or is that more outside of the norm without having like a toy or something else working on you? Oh, once again, no studies done. However, right. <laughs> anecdotally, the Ruby, <laughs> writer, yes. the Ruby writer study, the lifetime study. <laughs> My sense of it is that probably 15% approximately are so either just sexually responsive, where the base of the toy against their lady bits, it just is all they need. I mean, of course, you know, we also know that orgasm is largely mental. So the other component is, is that you're just so fucking turned on about what's happening that you get off anyway. It doesn't, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not a matter of you're usually so responsive, but that act is so exciting that it'll get you off. I think that group of people is about 15% or so. And then beyond that, it is like with assistance, with wonderful toys that vibrate in all the right places. Mm-hmm. So what kind of uh, pegging specific or harness wearing specific toys can people use that are best for, you know, getting off while you're getting somebody else off? The one that is my favorite, first, let me say that as a beginning pegger, I don't recommend what I call the doubles and what most manufacturers who sell them call them strapless strap-ons. I was going to ask that. Yeah, Yeah. the strapless strap-on is not strapless. Tantus was kind and asked me to write an article about it because I complained so many times to Metis Black about why are you marketing it this way? Yeah, I remember reading that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was at a show... And I was bending her ear about that because basically I was the only reason I was bending her ear is because those people end up talking to me and saying, mm-hmm. what did we do wrong? And I just got tired of it. I said, you know, you're mismarketing this. And she finally just puts her hand on my shoulder and she says, okay, so here's the deal. We have the machine that makes the field dough. The field dough machine can make a field dough every X amount of minutes. And we can barely keep up with enough production to satisfy the demand. That, you know, if there's any area in my company that I'm really interested in changing the marketing or anything, that would not be it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, wow, that's really honest. So it was really sweet of her to say, hey, write us an article, which I did. And it explains that doubles are awesome toys, but they're not strapless. They're totally not strapless. You need a a harness to keep them in. At least 95% of women need harnesses to keep them in. So leaving that aside, those can be wonderfully stimulating toys, but I really advise givers to learn how to fuck first. So that doesn't mean that there's no pleasure involved because the Fuse company, F-U-Z-E, makes a wonderful line of toys that has a base that's really... The only way to describe it is it's kind of ergonomically designed. 
So it's like marquee-shaped or I-shaped, if you right. tip it up 90 degrees. And it's also convex. So it kind of nestles right there in the vulva area. And it's got the best vibrating toy insert of anyone that I've seen. Ooh. And also, if you put a WeVibe Tango Mini Vibe in there, which I do believe is the strongest mini vibe in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty damn strong. That, yeah. that combination is like magic for a lot of women who get off on clitoral stimulation. Oh. Yeah. That's good to know. So here's an interesting fact. Ruby Ryder, the princess, as you guys called me, of, of pegging. <laughs> I was trying with the alliteration, you know, pegging princess. I like that, the princess of pegging. Okay. <laughs> I'll get you a little crown with little, little, it's actually a harness. The tiara is a harness and there's like little dildos sticking up off of it. Off of anyway. the little peaks. Yeah, that would yeah, be awesome. Yeah. I can picture it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. So since we were talking about, you know, responsiveness in terms of the givers, even the princess of pegging still is is not one of those people that has quite been able to achieve an orgasm while I'm pegging someone. And I just want to mention this because there's so many different factors. I'm a giver. I love giving pleasure. And so for me to actually let go of that and move in a way that's just for me and all for my pleasure is a challenge for me. Now, mm -hmm. now, don't mistake me. I get so freaking turned on. I am dripping. <laughs> mm -hmm. In fact, I've done that a number of times. You know, take the harness off, take their hand, stick it in there, and go check that out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, no orgasm yet. And believe me, I will announce it on all my social platforms when it happens. <laughs> nice, nice. And I think that's good for people to hear because we have been so uh, pushed towards orgasm goal oriented sex that it's like there is so much more sometimes you you know i'll get off on sometimes just the power or like you said the pleasing there there's so many other things that are just as satisfying and it doesn't have to end in an orgasm every time or anytime exactly i mean the, the, i tell you after doing ruby rider for nine years now I've learned so much. And one of the biggest things I've learned is to hold space for everybody. And so this whole thing of getting real goal-oriented can really mess with people, definitely. I have a friend who told me, you know, this whole orgasming when I'm pegging my guy, no, I'm just so not interested. I'm there to do a job, and I'm going to do it well, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, no, I don't want to be distracted. I want to I want to do that job, and I want to get him off, and I want to do the thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So everybody's different, and that's all totally fine, however way you are. So people with penises, give your penis a rest and actually let the dildo do the work for you for once, because I think that would be an interesting experience for everybody who's using only their biocock. Yeah. yeah and yeah. you know the assumption with that with the harness for guys and putting a strap on on the assumption always always seems to fall in oh she's gonna want a bigger one but you know what i really encourage you to consider you giving a different experience to your partner and i do mean different all you have to do is go to reddit and look at big cock problems or whatever they call them big dick problems i think it's called oh yeah so a smaller one a curved one, a textured one, a one that has bumps, a wider one, a, you know, sure, a longer one, whatever. Does anybody make a fist of Adonis? A what? <laughs> <For> the, <laughs> so they have a dildo that's called the fist of Adonis. It's an actual fist. So it's like fisting somebody. I was wondering if there was something large enough to do that. For pegging? 
for pegging. Yes. Oh yeah, you can you can <laughs> you do you can do enormous toy. Well, what in my mind, what I kept picturing was like the the um, the fingers together with the fisting thing. It looks like it that. Is. It's like yeah. yeah, it's like hidden duck. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. There's all kinds of toys like that. The challenge with pegging is finding a harness that holds the bigger and longer toys well enough and securely enough. That's ah. the challenge. And that's kind of all the advanced stuff. Because yeah. then you need to think about um, longer uh, precautions to take because you're going past the rectal canal and up into the colon and past that one sphincter. So, yeah, that's advanced stuff. Yeah. Do you have a buying guide for uh, harnesses on your website? What I do in order to support my work and offering these webinars for free and everything is I talk about toys all the time and I put links everywhere and uh, mention them in my podcast and things. And it funnels all my business through a wonderful online business called enticeme.com. And she, Tiffany, has made a point of vetting everything that she sells to make sure that it's non-toxic and body safe and just the best of the best. So it's luxury stuff. So, you know, you're going to find things like the Aslan leather minks and yeah. all of the spare parts harnesses and stuff like that. So it's difficult if you're on a budget. However, many people find that when they buy the cheap kits, especially the stuff on Amazon, goodness, uh, that it affects their whole pegging experience. And when they finally get some really good equipment, they're like, holy crap, we wish we could have done this a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, I know for me, like, I had a hard time finding a harness. I'm a little bigger. I have the what they call it, the fupa, the fat upper pussy area that kind of is like hanging and it gets chafy and that, you know, skin is thin there. Mm -hmm. So and luckily, I'm in adult retail stores a lot. So I could just go in and be like, let me try this one on over my pants. Let me try that one on over my pants mm -hmm. and, and find something. But for someone who either, you know, they don't have the luxury of being able to go into a bunch of different adult retail places, because I've noticed a lot of adult stores, they might have a selection of two, three, four, and that's really about it. You're not going to find a place where it's like, you can try it every harness in the world until you find the one. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So, and and like you said, they're not cheap. When you buy the cheap stuff, it's usually flimsy. It doesn't work very well. It you know, falls off, doesn't hold the stuff. So what do you suggest for somebody who is like, I only have X, I'm not going to buy the expensive harness one time and it's wrong. And then two times and it's wrong. If there's one that you're like, here's one that's good for most people or a good starter one, what would that be? <laughs> so many people ask me that question. And I really can't answer it because it depends so much on your body type. Ah. It really does. That's the thing. I mean, there's so many factors. If there's one harness that is like the best, and I haven't ever seen anyone who have said, this is not the one for me, I don't like it. It would actually be Aslan Leather Minx. Mm -hmm. It is also one of the best for big, beautiful women out there because it's got that beautiful corset back and that wider piece of leather in the back adds more stability. Plus, it adds one more point of adjustment. Mm. And the leather makes it so that you can really cinch it down so that toy is like a part of you. So there's no elastic. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's that really... male-bodied people and female-bodied people? No, male-bodied people when buying harnesses, have to take into consideration that 
They need a place for their dangly bits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because it's not Story cool of my to- life. <laughs> I got a place for you, honey. <laughs> so there's not enough room. You would squish the poor guys, you know. So you definitely need one that's made a little different. And that spare part deuce is specifically made for men. It has the two holes. I do remember one couple who was talking on Reddit how they were trying to do the budget thing and going, wow, we want the best, but we want to do this other way of him wearing the strap-on too. So they got a deuce and were able to use it for pegging too. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's a cool thing to know. But okay, so if you go back to what's the best equipment, yeah, I get asked that all the time. (laughs) Now, one of the things that I offer is – I'm working on an advanced webinar that's really due out just about any day. I'll probably have it up in about a week, and that will also be free. And I go through all the equipment, like in detail, links, everything. Okay. We're going to put a link to that in our show notes at americansexpodcast.com, because this episode will probably come out right about that time that you're announcing it. So, And that's super helpful, because there's so many different interchangeable moving parts where you can get multiple parts from a harness from probably different manufacturers, depending on exactly what you're putting together. Exactly. I know. And there's so many different ways to get that vibe on the clit. There's so many different ways to, I mean, there's so many different possibilities that I just can't. There's, you know, the one, the one setup is just not going to happen. I mean, I, I give people examples like, okay, it, There's so many things to take into consideration. For example, let's say you're just starting this pegging journey with your partner and he's been fantasizing about this for the longest time and he's thinking he wants this totally awesome, realistic looking dick because that's what he's been fantasizing about. And it freaks her out, you know? So first of all, you have to buy the equipment together. You have to talk about it. I do have a podcast number 102. And 102, I go through each and every point of consideration that you need to consider when buying equipment. I don't even mention any brand names. I just say, okay, then you need to think about this, and then you need to think about that. Something that people don't think about a lot, which is really important, especially when you're choosing the dildo, is how sensitive the guy's prostate is. And you can figure that out digitally. You can use your fingers and figure out how sensitive a prostate your guy has. So once you know that, you're not going to go out and like get, for example, a Tantus Curve, which is really firm and really curved and is really intense if your guy has a very sensitive prostate. You know, if you can just go in there and stroke your fingers and send him to the moon and that's his sweet spot, well, then you're going to want like a dual density dildo. So yeah, it gets really complicated. Wow. That's a lot. It's a, okay. So we'll have a link to your, to your webinar. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to butts though. So what me is too. Stance, <laughs> what is your stance on cleaning out before pegging, doing an enema or an anal douche? Is it necessary or is it not? Because I know this gives people a lot of anxiety. Like, oh my God, what if we encounter shit? It's a big deal. So a lot of things affect how clean you are. One is diet. And the more you eat the bad stuff, the more it's going to stink. <laughs> and the less it's going to move through your body well, the more you eat the good stuff like the vegetables and the roughage and things like that, then the more it's going to move through better and you will actually be cleaner. Here's another factor that affects how clean you are, your age. 
the young guys can almost pretty much get away with not cleaning out. They're like, no, 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 I'm good, you know, because their body is so regular. Everything's working just dandy. But the old, the, I find the older that receivers are, the more they have to really pay attention to this. So, okay, let's say you're to the point where you want to pay attention to it because maybe it gets a little messy once in a while. Well, I know receivers who have gotten into a routine of like eating a lot of roughage and vegetables a day or two beforehand and then eating very lightly the day of. Mm. So that's one thing that can really help. I ran across a supplement recently that I was taken by their advertising. It's like, take it now so you can take it later. <laughs> Ooh, what a great tagline. Well, it's beautiful. It was, it's, it's a, it's a, uh, a gay guy supplement. Okay. That's the whole point is if you take this supplement that you are ready to get fucked anytime. And this is like a freaking dream. You know, it's like, yeah. One of my webinar attendees said, my motivation to receive profoundly changed my diet. <laughs> Really? <laughs> Which I thought was pretty wow. interesting. But wow. so anyway, this supplement is called Pure for Men, right? And it's largely psyllium husk, but they put some other stuff in there so that it doesn't have as much of a gaseous reaction that some psyllium husk supplements do. About five of my listeners have tried it out so far, and they all say, wow, this really works. So that's a possibility in addition. But when you get down to the, the actual mechanical cleaning out of things. So most of the time, especially if you're in the, a beginner, you are only playing in the rectal canal. That's pretty much your area of play. So as long as that is clean, you're good to go. So I would guesstimate that for uh, slender people, no longer than about a six inch insertable dildo. And because big, beautiful people need longer dildos. That's uh, an underserved manufacturing fact that I'm drives me crazy. The beginning big-bodied people, the big, beautiful people, right? Mm -hmm. There's no slender, long toys for them. As soon ah. as you get long, like seven, seven and a half, even eight inches long, it, the diameter increases dramatically. So for the people going, why do you need a longer one? Is it because that there's more... I don't know, padding, so to speak, on the outside. So you need a little bit more length. That's to get exactly where you it. Go? And that okay. can be from either or both sides of the pegging formula. You can have a guy with a lovely big ass that you just can't quite penetrate that far. And then you can have a giver with that beautiful belly too. So, mm -hmm. you know, the two can, can also be combined. So yeah, that's all a factor. And that's one more factor why I won't say exactly what equipment is the best equipment because, you know, that can be really frustrating if you're a couple like that and you have a shorter toy and it falls out all the time. Right. And you right. know, conversely, I have no ass at all. And I would prefer to have a shorter cock, like something in the four to five inch range. Yes, exactly. See, these are all the questions that I ask people. And you know, for people that want to shop where I actually uh, have an affiliate relationship and I get commission on the sales, I will absolutely get on the phone with them and do a free phone consultation. Oh, wow, awesome. that's actually yeah. really cool. If they want to shop there, because I spend a long time with them asking them all these questions. And it's so funny because you find yourself talking to a perfect stranger on the phone about, so do you have a normal size butt or is your butt flat or what? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but okay, so getting back to the cleaning thing, there's this awesome rectal bulb syringe type thing that uh, it's called the Ergoflow Director. 
and it's made by Perfect Fit. Yes. Okay. And it's it's the best of the best out there. You can absolutely go and get a rectal bulb syringe at a local drugstore, or you can get a fleet enema bottle and fill it up with shower water. But this one's cool because it's silicone and it has a long neck insertable part so that it's easier to reach. And the silicone part makes it sanitizable. It has a big threaded um, bulb to the stem of it, which is nice because that means it's not going to come apart. And it's got a check valve that makes sure it prevents dirty water from getting sucked in after you squeeze the water in there. Mm. Anyway, it's my favorite thing. All you need to do is rinse out that rectal canal, and then you're good to go. You're good to play. Okay. So, okay, what's what about all this talk about enemas? Because people are like, ah, enemas. Well, there's some good reasons to do enemas. One would be if you're an advanced player and you're going to use longer toys, so you're going to get further up actually into parts of the colon. And that's going to be covered in my advanced webinar too. But also... Just from a beginner's point of view, if you're one of these people that would just freak out if any kind of mess happened and you just have to be pristine, then you're going to be able to relax more if you do an enema. Right. Just make sure that you do it two hours ahead of time because when you put that volume of water up into your colon, little bits of it get stuck in the folds. So even though you think you've expelled all of it, you walk around a little bit and you expel a little bit more and you do not want that coming out during sexy times. Mm, So do it about two hours before. Another really good reason to do an enema is if it's erotic for you and it's enema play. Well, then awesome. Do that beforehand. That's cool. Right. Okay. Good to know. Mm-hmm. So I have one last question for you. Mm-hmm. What about people who don't have a prostate? Let's say they had prostate cancer, they have it had it removed surgically, that sort of thing. Can they still enjoy this kind of play? Mm, I have an answer for that. I'm so happy. Yay! <laughs> well, I have a relationship with the people over at Aneros. Uh-huh. And the Aneros website I has... Love their product. Yeah. Well, they have a remarkable thing, too. They have a forum over there. And that forum board is filled with men who are all encouraging each other on how to find the ultimate prostate stimulation and mm-hmm. the ultimate prostate orgasms and hand-free orgasms and all the different kinds of orgasms that you can have with prostate stimulation. It's remarkable. And they talk about all kinds of things. So I, I got that question on my podcast. I went there and I announced it and asked if anybody knew. Because I seem to remember a guy talking about that. Sure enough, he emailed me. And this is what he told me. He enjoyed a very active pegging relationship with his wife before he got prostate cancer. And then he had the surgery. And after whatever reasonable amount of time his doctor made him not do anything, when he started doing the pegging again, he said, it had reduced the amount of pleasure, if you say that, you know, before the surgery it was 100%, down to about 40%. He said he could still definitely feel pleasure, but it was at about 40%. And then over time, as things sort of healed, perhaps, and maybe nerves got better, I'm not sure how to phrase that, it got up to about 55 or 60 So fairly close. So yeah, even men without a prostate can definitely feel pleasure. And the one thing that he emphasized too is that it was just such an intimate, wonderful act for them to share that they continued doing it for that reason too. Hmm. Good to know. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Sure. 
So I know we were talking a lot about products and you said you had an affiliate link. Is that a link that you can share with us for our show notes? Is it like a quick and easy link? So listeners, if they're like, I want to check out that stuff, they can use your <laughs> your your link. Enticeme.com. E-N-T-I-C-E-M-E.com. And if you shop there and use the coupon code RIDER, R-Y-D-E-R, you'll get 15% off. And they will know, not only will you get 15% off, but they'll know that I sent you. <laughs> Sweet. But the in the show notes, one of the links says, uh, luxury sex toys, support my work. That would be the link to entice me. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Sure. And so for people who are listening along who are like, hot damn, I got to try that pegging. I'm, I'm ready to do it. Where can they find you? And again, listeners, this is going to be in the show notes, but for those who just want to go now, they don't want to write shit down, they don't want to go look up a page, where do they go? Gotcha. So peggingparadise.com has a ton of information. It also has mixed throughout pegging erotica and also BDSM and kink stuff because I am a BDSM aficionado. I identify as a dominant central sadist. At some point in time, (laughs) I realized that There are a lot of people out there who are not into BDSM that might be getting scared off just a tad by my stories of beating men and things. So (laughs) I I did the the website pegging101.com. That has informational articles only with no kink attached. And from those two places, you can find links that will take you to my upcoming webinars and uh, shopping and all that stuff. That's sweet. You did one. You did a nice thing for the vanillas. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, okay. again, you know, I've learned to hold space mm-hmm, for everybody in all the different ways yep. they approach this. I, in fact, I wrote an article about pegging and intimacy because for me, it's a very intimate act, which is why it doesn't usually lend itself to a one night stand. Plus, there's preparation involved. So I write this article, I put it up on FetLife, and everybody's cheering me on and going, yeah, yeah, it's really intimate, that's awesome, yeah. And then this really brave man comes on and makes a comment and says, you know, I know that that's the way all of you experience this, but that's not my kink. I really like to be pegged and treated like a thing. And if there's intimacy between me and the woman who's pegging me, it ruins it for me. And I just went, wow, thank you for speaking up. And once he spoke up, a couple of other guys got on there and went, yeah, yeah, me too. So, yeah. That's really cool. So, yeah, I hold space for all the different manifestations of the pegging. So, this has been amazing. Again, an episode I can get behind. I got to get better butt puns. (laughs) I know, I know. Work harder, fail. I know. I just... My brain's not doing the, the thing today. I was like, <laughs> but I did come up with Pegging Princess that I thought was a fail, but I think it was a good. No, so. alliteration is always good. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, thank you. And listeners, American fuckers, maybe now you're American peggers, you know. Um, no, they're all American fuckers. They're American fuckers. So uh, go go listen to Ruby Writer's podcast. Go visit Pegging Paradise. Go, go and, and do, do some pegging. And do some pegging. Do some pegging. Yeah. Please, for us. <laughs> Take one for the team. Try it. Like we want consent involved, but do this. You will not regret it. (laughs) Yes. Sonny Ken, thank you so much. Thank you. you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. 
I'm the super social one, so you can find me at Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag SciChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.